that's some shit that you don't do. I'ma say rap on my nigga. That's some shit that I'm gonna do. Fuck all the commas. Let's fuck all some commas, nigga. Let's fuck all some commas. Do this shit wrong. Welcome to a long overdue edition of the Fantasy League podcast. I'm your host, no need for introduction, and tonight I'm joined by Mac Haynes. Good evening, Mac. How are you doing? Uh, hot off a, your maiden win for the season. Must feel good to get the monkey off the bat. Mate, I'm 2-0. and oh. What are you talking about? I'm fucking great. Oh, you are too, yeah. I forgot you had the win. I uh, wasn't paying enough attention to you because you might lack a little bit of relevancy because we've had a, a guy called Pitsy take this league by storm. Uh, oh, what's your take on his success? Oh, I could not be happier for Pitsy right now. I, I hope he sustains it. I hope he stays the fuck away from the trade table. But what a king. All the doubters, all the haters, he's proven them wrong. Did you expect that? Because like a few people have touched on, especially Dimmis in the last few weeks, he's gone from having a solid team to the worst-looking team. Now you look at his team and it's like, shit, how do we stop this guy from winning the league in his first season and making us all look like fools? Well, look, I think he's just been on the roller coaster. It's only we're only two weeks in and, and Pitsy's ridden the roller coaster already. He he drafted a pretty solid team. He fucked himself trade wise. And then I think I personally resurrected his season with the trade that I did with him. Um, but he's now got a pretty balanced team. He's gotta be happy with it. He's gotta be happy with two and Um and then, you know, you look ahead to this week for him. He's got he's coming up against uh, you know, Master vs. Apprentice. Uh, if he wins this one, you've got to be, he's got to be thinking uh, he can make a deep run. We'll touch on the matchups soon, but overall, how do you assess Pitsy's team? Do you think maybe he's been carried a little bit by Tom Brady having a couple soft matchups against Dallas and Atlanta in the first two weeks, along with uh, Cortland Sutton booming? Do you think he can sustain this as well, looking at his team across the board? His running back situation could be a little bit questionable, I guess, uh, with Jacobs and Drake. Yeah, look, I think, I don't know. I look at Pitsy's team and I think like, yeah, Brady has been balling and it has been against two shit defences, but I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if Brady does that all year. You know, he's, he doesn't look like he, he's not going to slow down for any reason. That Tampa offence is all passing, no run. Soft um, schedule. The running backs are a bit gross, but then again, he's got, yeah, he's got Cup and Ridley as well though, back like, you know, as two very high ceiling um, players on that team too. So, like, he doesn't need to rely on one guy every week. He's got a few that can pop off at any, any time. And you throw TJ Hawkinson into the equation as well, who's a set-and-forget uh, top five tight end this season, arguably could be a top three, as well with Mark Andrews looking like he's a little bit on the decline. As, as Hollywood Brown, someone who you said was a dud and banked on Marquez Callaway being better than him this season, taking over from Andrews as the number one target on that Baltimore offense. Oh, don't remind me. But, yeah, I did say that. I don't want to know why I said that, but I did. Um, I still don't believe in Hollywood. Like, I'm not buying it. I still think... I just think all of those Baltimore backs got injured and Lamar had to do something different. So, Dimmers can still fuck off. I don't believe in Hollywood. But, um, yeah, like, right now, Callaway's Callaway's going to be on the way at the end of the week. Do you believe in your own team, Matt? You're 2-0. You've only put up 255 points and you've had the league lowest 
aside from Dimas, who's had 165 points against, you've had 214 points against, which is uh, second only to Dimas, as I mentioned, which is ridiculous, 165. <laughs> That's hard to believe. Um, you look at his points against versus uh, versus Coleman, uh, versus Chad's, and it's it's brutal. But um, no, I do believe in my team. I fucking love my team. Um, I might not have been saying that had Aaron Jones not not had his helicopter game on a, on Tuesday morning. But I love my team, and there's there's this misconception in this league like you need a team that's capable of 180 points every week, and it's just wrong. You just need to win your matchup. You need to have a good record. And when you get to the playoffs, it's, it's anyone on any day. So you don't need a 180 team that can produce that. You need a team of players that can put out a score that wins a matchup any week. And it's just potluck in the end. You know, you can have 390 scored against you like Chad. You can have 165 scored against you against him. That's the nature of the league. Yeah, you're taking the leaf out of my book, Mac, what I've done over the last five seasons, you know, repeatedly score the ninth amount of points, ninth most points for the season and have, you know, a really low points against it. And that could be your road towards the finals this season. And as I did with the Bruiners the other year, anyone can be beaten on their day. But there's someone that I just wanted to touch on as well is putting up big numbers who does have the most points for this season. That's Mitch Mead once again, starting off like a house on fire. His team's looking pretty good and, and, Saquon's been underperforming as well as they ease him back into that offense. Are you confident that his team can go all the way this season? Because I've read some things that Justin Jefferson's the third target on his own team. <laughs> yeah, look, like fuck me first and foremost, but his team, his team is unbelievable. And yeah, look, the frightening thing is that he's once again got, you know, five, maybe five players on that team where any given week they can, they can cover for one or two of the others not doing anything. Kyler Murray just frightens me. Like, I just don't see him scoring under 30 points any week. Like, I'd, he's got to be, you know, in that MVP race with Brady all year long. Um, Saquon, super underwhelming and doesn't look like it's getting any better. Um, yeah, fucking hell. He's been unlike... And then, like, Debo Samuel. Like, who could have picked IU falling off a cliff? And Samuel being the number one with Kittle like underperforming this this fast as well. So, I mean, between those three receivers, D Hop, Jefferson, Samuel, a shit Barkley, but Barkley nonetheless, and then Henry and Murray. Like, yeah, uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna need to catch media on a good week. And who would you prefer to win the league, him or Pitts? Definitely Pitsy. Are you kidding? Meaty would just fucking... He'd, he'd buy 11 pairs of cuffs for the weekend. He'd fucking... <laughs> he'd fuck everyone. Pitsy wins it and, like, we can all just... Everyone can just shit on Dimas for, like, for the next year. Definitely. It makes Dimas look like he doesn't really know what he's doing, considering, as we touched on in the preseason, if Pitsy was to do this, which we didn't actually expect would happen, it would just make Dimas look like a, a really poor fantasy manager. But there's one thing I just want to touch on, and, and you mentioned Aaron Jones had that helicopter game and saved your record and sent you to 2-0. and What's this uh, axe to grind that you had with Comma? Uh, why was it so heated, and why did it mean so much to you to get that victory over here, against all odds? Oh, the fucking... Bo, Bo Comma just carrying on like a like a lamb chop with his 198. I've got the best score ever. My team's so sexy. You can't beat Mahomes and Kelsey. You can't beat Prescott and, and Amari. And, you know, fucking Eagles in the grand final. Mate, I don't care. 
You came up against me. You fucking lost. You suck. Move on with it now. You think life's bad right now after Aaron Jones rushes for 67 yards and fucks your bet too. Just imagine after this week, you lose again. You're one and two after losing a meaty. Then you lose the Dugowie's captaincy when you lose to Gibb in week four. And then Glenelg beat you in the grand final. Mate, life is going to be shocking. One and three, no premiership. What could have been? He's going to be in a world of hurt because he did mention that he was sitting back watching the intervention, uh, listening to the intervention podcast the other week, and he's questioning where his life is at. I can't imagine how he's going to be after those events that you described there. He'd be in a world of, <laughs> world of hurt. But looking at his team, are you as convinced as he was? Dak Prescott put up seven points against the Chargers. Is that concerning? And all when Brandon Cooks loses that quarterback play with Tyrod going down with a, a hamstring injury. I honestly don't understand what happened with Dak this week. Like, I, I wasn't going to complain. I was watching that game and thinking, I'd love it if Herbert would stop having these fucking touchdowns called back. But, but Dak just... The Dak versus Brady, which you'd argue, like, the Tampa defense is surely better than the Charger defense. But, like, he was just balling, just slinging it at Tampa. And everyone was like, fuck, Dak and Amari, how are we going to stop that? And it was like... It was like all these shoulder rumours about him being all fucked up in the preseason just like look like that in the Charger game. Like he didn't attempt anything down the field. Everything was like very, very low key, very managed. Um, they rely very heavily on the run as well. Like I think Zeke and um, Tony Pollard had over 35 carries between them, which was a little bit unusual considering they slung the ball so well the week before. And as you mentioned, there could be something there with, with the shoulder, but just touching on defenses is, been widely debated by league members this season saying that we should or we shouldn't have and we move into a flex situation what's your take on that because clearly the the winning move for you this week was having the new england defense score 16 to combers negative one yeah and it's funny because i said to gabe on sunday we, we were having a few drinks and i said to him watch the pats be the difference between being winning and losing i couldn't have called it more perfectly but i think defenses are like that they're a very hotly debated off-season topic and so they should be like I definitely see the pros and not having them and having an extra flex spot or if you just wanted to cut that position completely but like that's a debate for the off-season once the season starts defenses are a massive ride and like people I know people killing um McAfee's Panthers bid today but like defenses do win matchups if you pick it right and if you follow it well and if you spend fab on it so like you can debate it all you want in the off-season, but you can't complain about it once the season starts. Like, you need a... That's another position that's going to score points. If it scores you fucking negative points like it does for some people, like, that's that's on you. And they win... Like you said, they win your matchups. And looking back, not last year, but the season before, when you were still in the Yahoo League, um, <laughs> you know, taking that by a storm and, you know, moving up the ranks to eventually join our sacred establishment that we have in the moment, Chad Combo... Chad, Chad Combe had the, had the New England. Chad England, uh, sorry, Chad Combe had the New England defense, and that essentially carried him to a final. And eventually, it backfired on him. But that's just how potent defenses can be as well. But you mentioned you were having a few drinks with Gib the other night, and I've got hold of a few leaked videos of um, a good friend Bo Gib that I just, I just want to play. Um, and, and I don't know if this was from Sunday night, but he sent a voice message to someone within the league that I won't name, saying that he's dead on a footpath, frothing out of the mouth, and his bogey horseman. I just, I just want to play this uh, for you. That was followed up by another one. Another one. 
<laughs> this league member responded, can't you call an Uber or they don't have the carriages in the back? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, legit dead, fuck, I'm frothing quack. And he's uh, followed this up with, with this. Take me to the take me to the hospital. That that was continued. This is the last one. This one hasn't been revealed before, but um he goes, I'm so sick, please help me. Are you, Why did you do it so good? Are you concerned by what you heard there that your friend that you've known for so long and the champ champ is, is morphing into a, a horse? He's seen like he's starting to go a little bit insane this season and, and the results are showing. He's fucking lost the plot. I just count everyone, every poor girl in Adelaide, lucky stars, but he scraped over the line versus Maka because if he was 0-2, there's not enough horse feed in the world to keep that man down. Do you think that he can sustain... His, his antics this season, it seems like it's almost taking over him and we're just slowly watching him turn into something. Unravel? Yeah, um, exactly. Look, <laughs> story time, friends. Story lay, time. Lay it, on lay it on us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to be filthy with this. Saturday night, Gabriel. He's, uh, he's our good mate's 25th birthday on Saturday and Gabe was having a few drinks at the house. And uh, he's, he's messaging a young lady and um, is, you know, tossing up whether or not to go and meet up with her and whatnot. And uh, uh, the, the boys say they're all going to go out down the parade for a few drinks. And Gabe goes, all right, perfect. I can duck off and meet this girl and then hook a couple of the boys later. So he tells her to, you know, jump in an Uber um, to, to Gabe's house. Um, <laughs> uh, no, sorry, to the house where the boys were having drinks at. He was going to do it uh, at the mate's house. She jumps in the Uber. The boys all decide, nah, actually, we're going to stay here now. And Gabe goes, well, fuck, like she's already on the way. So he jumps, he waits for her to get there. And then he jumps in an Uber with her back to Gabe's house. They go back to Gabe's house. He, he rails her. And then Gabe goes, fuck, I was lying in bed with her and thinking, fuck, I just, the night's still young. Like, I want to be back with the boys. Like, how am I going to get out of this? And so he goes, he rolls over and says to her, oh, I'm feeling a bit sick. I'm going to go have a vomit. Grabs his jacket, grabs his shoes jumps in an Uber and, and leaves this poor girl in his own bed and heads off back to have more drinks. I'm lost for words. Honestly, I don't even know how to respond to that story. That is morally wrong on so many levels. Do you know what transpired after that? Did you come back home and she was there waiting for the chair well, to go again or did she, uh, did she leave? I'm thinking like how unwell do these girls have to be for Gabe to pull something like this and not have his house on fire? But he reckons that he's, he's waited about half an hour and then sent her a text message saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I was coughing up blood, had to go to the hospital immediately. <laughs> Love you. See you next time. And she was all cool with it. What does he have? Is, is he, maybe he is hung like a horse and that's why he is named, potentially. That could be the secret to why these women are still staying with him. We could be onto something. That, that's like the only, like, I can't believe it because he is Asian, but maybe he's just like, the, the Asian horse and he's hung like it. He's built differently that man, but is his team built differently enough this season to win? Nick Chubb looked really good on the weekend running the ball, albeit against Houston and Najee Harris stepped up with his first touchdown of the season. Chase was good again and Terry and Gabe did get over the line against Macca. Um, just 
did you expect that from Gabe? And can he sustain the season? Trevor Lawrence has looked terrible. Yeah, look, like Gabe's team, uh, like having Chubb and Najee and Terry and DK is is two stud running backs and and wide receivers. I mean, you hope we hope Najee's going to be a stud. Um, I'm confident he will be, but. Having two stud at those positions is excellent if they can sustain it. The problem is then that, like, yeah, he's now got Trevor and Matt Ryan as his quarterbacks. And that, you know, and Trey Lance still waiting in the wings. You know, the Niners, if they keep winning, I don't know when they're going to start Trey. But, like, Trevor could not have looked worse on the weekend. Um, I think that Denver defense is good. But Trevor Lawrence's 50% pass completion through two weeks is pretty fucking gross. And five um, Matt Ryan. Yeah, and... Matt Ryan, don't don't hold your breath on. So, um, really don't know what he's going to do in order to change that, or if he's just going to ride it and just hope the quarterbacks, one of the quarterbacks, boom each week. But um, I still like his team. I just, um, yeah, I, I I'm pretty confident that I will be able to have enough to beat him this week. And I just want to touch on a, a few of the other teams and the situations they were in on the weekend before we move on to this week's matchup, and that's elite upside. As he, as he calls himself, and I really don't know how I managed. I still feel sick from the fact that I lost him in week one by fielding, um, dare I say his name, J.D. McKissick, who then proceeded to score 19 points, a touchdown, and um, pretty much take Antonio Gibson out of the game for in vital plays throughout. He's come out and scored something like 60 points, which I haven't checked the record books, could be one of the lowest scores in history. Do you think that he's... Yeah way that he's gone about this season in trying to have a fair few stars is going to backfire on him and he is potentially the Sacco Bowl favourite. Look, we all want to have a sexy player on our team that is capable of doing a Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones helicopter game. But within reason, like Kamara, Tyreek, Kittle, Devontae. That's so hot. That's so fun to watch those games. And maybe Liam's just doing this from a fan perspective. But scoring 70 points with Taylor Heineke having 45% of your score (laughs) is... Like, yeah, like you said, you lost to him in week one. You've got to be, like, on suicide watch the weeks you lose to Liam when he does put up a score because I feel like there's got to be a lot more sub-100 scores than over-100 scores. It's going to be that team that, as you mentioned, could potentially put up 150 points one week, knock off Meade by five points, and the next week he, he comes out and scores 40. So you, you're pretty much just playing Russian roulette. When you when you walk into him, you know, Tyreek's had three on the weekend, but he's equally as capable as put. Literally, Kamara Hill and Adams could score 120 points between them, and you would not yep. be surprised. And that's what he's going to have for a line to stay relevant this season. And he could be in a little bit of trouble as well if, uh, if Fitzmagic does come back. One last team, Chad Com, he's been awfully unlucky to start the season. We touched on that with his, his points against. Do you think that he can sustain this season? AJ Brown has looked really bad, leaves the league with uh, drops. Uh, yeah, like I. I really don't know with Chad. Like, I, I want to laugh because, like, it's hilarious to me. And the fact that I made this Giants comparison and he just finds new ways to lose and run into new, finds new interesting ways of, of losing is hilarious to me. With Tyler Lockett, like, going nuclear as well. Um, I, won't, I won't take the piss too much. So, like, I really don't know. He just, sometimes you run into this, you know, Chad... Chad did a similar thing last year. Like, looked like he was locked and loaded to make a run to the playoffs. You just hope that he can turn his season around before it's too late, you know. Um, I haven't actually had a look at who he's got this week, but 0-3 is a big hole to climb out of. Um, and, you know, he has had two really good weeks. You know, he might run into a week where his opponent actually doesn't put up one of these monster scores, but 
his players drop drop the ball too. So you just got to hope it kind of evens out for him. Yeah, I think Chad, Chad should be okay. Jalen Hurts has looked really electric, both running and passing the ball as well. But Tyler Lockett obviously can't sustain 100 plus yards in a touchdown as he has throughout the season. And Zeke, he's not what he used to be. Michael Williams has looked really good and delivering on that first round potential that he showed when he was drafted. One quick one uh, before we move on. We've touched on Gabe and the like, Pitsy and me, but this is a Bruniers club. This is a, a team that you've clashed a little bit with, especially one of its owners. Isaac in the past, he's got a girlfriend himself and he, he always talks about your girlf- lovely partner, Bianca, <laughs> which is quite uh, concerning. So what's your take on them? And are you happy to see them on through this season after Brill, you know, has just taken the piss out of his assistant manager this season? Yeah, like I couldn't be happier right now because honestly, like... The amount of shit that that guy talks when he has proven nothing, like, ever. Like, he, he's useless. And the fact of the matter is, yeah, I love Pitsy and I want him to win the league this year. But the fact that Gap doesn't have a team and, and Brill is still managing this team into the ground, it's just, I just want Gaddy to get his opportunity and it should be head coach in the Brillianaires club because, like, th- this team is just awful. Um, I look down the list and I'm trying to find the stars and I can see Allen and Diggs and, and I can't see anything else that I like, like nothing on the whole roster. Do you not like JT this season? Do you, were, you, were you concerned? I know that he did um, fuck a lot of the boys' multis this week. He promised to be a dual threat running back when he had posted seven, uh, six, sorry, 60 yards on six receptions and seven targets in week one, but he's come out and had one reception for two yards, and he, he sort of, I guess, struggled running the ball, 17 carries for 56 yards and 15 for 51. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, the Colts, you know, had to be apprehensive even having Wentz because, like, the guy was fucking as shaky as it can be coming in. And he's always injury-prone anyway. So, like, the fact that he's injured, most likely injured and out this week comes as no surprise. Like, that was going to happen at some stage. And then, you know, you're dealing with, you know, whatever whoever the Colts' backup quarterback is um, and, you know, JT running behind that. So, like, this was always going to be – he was always a shaky pick, same as Saquon. Um but, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. He's one of those guys where you kind of had to factor the, the, this possibility in going into the season. So I don't have, I don't feel sorry for him one bit. It's concerning that he's doing it behind such a strong offensive line that the Colts do possess. Uh, Pitt stepped up as well. DJ Moore has looked really good. It's a little bit concerning that they're fielding Rondell Moore. So <laughs> I think they could be in for a little bit of strife. Somehow they projected 138.1 this week. But we'll whip through straight into the projections. And the first one that we actually does come up on my screen is the Bruinaires versus myself, where both teams are 0-2. Um, whoever's going to be 0-3 probably will miss the finals this season. I just think the way both teams are positioned, it could be a little bit hard for them to, to come back and play finals. Do you think the projections have got this one right, Matt? Uh, yeah, just having a read through it now. Um... Oh fuck yeah! Look, it's always it's always a weird uh, weird predictions when a team does have a does have a stack because, um, and I mean like Deontay Johnson is he going to play? Uh, not sure yet. Uh, head coach said that he's not great, but he he looked better than he did the other day. So um, yeah, I'll be interested if he plays. But we'll, we'll run through this as if he is playing because he has looked yeah. really good. Hasn't had a drop since January. Like, this is going to be super close, but then there's other things like, yeah, he, he does get Daniel Jones to come in. Is Daniel Jones going to do the same thing against that shit Atlanta defense that he did this week against, like, you know, the, well, supposedly good Washington one? I don't know. But then, like, yeah, he's got plays on this team where I'm just like, no part of me wants to start Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddle or, or like, Rondell Moore going to do that again? Probably not. 
Darrell Henderson against Tampa, who you cannot run against. Um, I think the projections are wrong. I think this should be a total pick em. And I actually like your side of it, France. Brilliant. I like what you're thinking. The only concern I have, look, I like Stafford. He's going to be airing it out um, against Tampa Bay. Gibson does face that stout Buffalo defense as well. And who knows what's going to happen with J.D. McKissick in that team. Lamb could have a field day against Philly. Mixon, he did look pretty average running the ball behind that offensive line, having 20-odd carries for 69 yards, but he is going to get the volume. So hopefully I can bounce back because, as we mentioned, it will be concerning for whoever loses this and goes to 0-3. Move on to the next matchup. We've got Chad versus Jade. and both projected 138 and 140, respectively. Do you think Chad can post his first win or is he going to sink to 0-3 and you know, be the next matchup? No, I think Jay's going to know whether or not he's 0-3 or 1-2 after after the Friday morning game because McCaffrey against Houston has got to be the most terrifying individual player matchup of the season that you're going to come up against. Um, so, look, if Jay... If Jay if the, McCaffrey's projected 23. Like, that in itself is fucking absurd. Like, he's literally got a quarterback, a good quarterback projection um, for the Friday matchup. If McCaffrey gives... I think literally right now, Chad would take that 23, though, and, and just be done with it. Because McCaffrey, if he scores 30-plus, like, no one's going to bat an eye. Um, if he can keep him under 20, um, I think Chad will feel good about some of the matchups he's got. You know, Mike Williams against KC is probably going to be a shootout. Lockett against Minnesota is probably, you know, he might keep that streak going. Um, and then the Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith stack against Dallas could go berserk as well. And Zeke against Philly. So, um that game, that Philly-Dallas game has got to be great for Chad as well. I think he'll be licking his lips this week, Chaddy. I think he'll still feel confident if he somehow manages to lose this one, though, um, with the matchups that he's got. Fuck, he's, he's turned his head next year. Are you concerned about Alan Robinson? Jaden's obviously got him slotted in there. He's another one wide receiver. Goes up against Cleveland, who have been quite solid um, defensively without setting the world on fire. And Robinson has looked poor. I guess he's been targeted infrequently by the likes of Dalton and Fields. And they have said that Dalton will line up as the QB one this week if he is healthy. What's your take on uh, Robinson and secondly, the Bears quarterback situation? Yeah, like Alan Robinson, I think like everyone respects and everyone loves because when you see him with like, he gets any kind of like good volume as in like catchable stuff, he's just a jet. But like, yeah, that quarterback situation is awful. I would have been crossing my fingers that that Dalton did get murdered on the side when he when he looked like he did the the ACL or whatever it was. Um, but if he's a chance to play, it's just bad news, you know. Like Justin Fields, when he came in, he looked shit too. He was passing it all over the place. But you just want him in. Like the upside for Fields having a connection with Robinson has to be more appealing than what Dalton's giving him at the moment because Dalton just sucks. Like you just need him to have a serious injury or something to get him out of the way to get Fields in there as soon as possible. Yeah, because we obviously saw what Dalton did last year to be the Dallas high-powered offense, had all the weapons around him, and they were absolutely deplorable. So before we move on, can you categorically say who you think will win? Are you siding with Team Chad or Jaden? Oh, like, Chad is just the ultimate pick of, like, it's easy to pick against him because he'll just, like, he find a way to lose. But I'm looking at these matchups, and every single one of them, like makes me think he's going to smash the 138 projection. So I'm, I'm going to say Chad gets on the board here. 
Yeah, the matchups aren't great, but I think I'm going to lead towards Jaden just on the basis that you got Christian McCaffrey against Houston, uh, Adam Thielen against the Seahawks. They could have a really nice day too. Uh, Marvin Jones against Arizona as well. So I'm going to give it to Jay slightly. Just because I hope Chad goes on three, I would love to see it. He'll be absolutely crying. Uh, we've got the matchup that we've all been waiting for, rivalry round, I guess, in week three. This probably should have been week one. Pitts versus his ex-owner, slave owner, Dimas. Dimas projected 144.7. It's ridiculous the rejections that we are seeing this season. Do you think that they've got that right again? Or does Pitts just have the ability to overthrow Dimas? Um. Oh, fuck. I'm having a look at this. I think I like Pitsy's team way more and I am going to pick Pitts to win this. I think the projection is outrageous too. If you actually have a look at Dimas's three starting receivers, yes, they've got some absolute trash matchups. Robbie Anderson versus Houston, Hollywood versus Detroit, and Kenny Golladay against Atlanta. But those three receivers fucking suck. Like, if all three of them score under five points, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Golladay, somehow, the big money move from Detroit, and he's the third best wide receiver, maybe, in that offense, which is a shit offense to begin with. Um, Hollywood versus Detroit, are they even going to need a throw? Like, yeah, he's got Lamar, too, who probably goes off, but they could have that game won by halftime. And Robbie Anderson, like, that, that's... He's... He doesn't have the tr- like he w- didn't have the draft value to be like one of the most disappointments of the year, but he he sucks. Like he's it goes McCaffrey, DJ Moore, um, and then he's a very very long afterthought after that. I think like those receivers are something that he's probably going to need to address, Dimas, because um, that sucks. I just think Dimas's team in general is gross. Like you mentioned, his wide receiver situation is disgusting. Miles Sanders gross. Derek Carr. He's had a really hot start to the season that I really don't think he can maintain. He's carrying a little bit of an injury. Montgomery's fat. Darren Wall's a star, but he's really relying on Lamar Jackson and Eckler staying healthy to win the matchups. And the only negative for Pitts this week, I guess, is Brady does come up against that stout Rams defense, which could maybe bring about his downfall. So you're 100% in team Pitts. What would you have him priced at if you were pricing the sports bet market for these guys? Um, I think this would be a... Like a pits dollar fifty, Dimmers two fifty, and I'd take pits. It won't be by a lot. He's not gonna. This isn't gonna be a blowout, and I wouldn't be surprised if both of these teams score well under their projections. But maybe pitsy like a one thirty to one twenty five, Dimmers. Have you been a little bit taken back by the size of these projections that we are seeing for some teams this year? I know we've moved to the six point uh, touchdown structure, but still, it's a bit uh, crazy compared to what we've seen in previous years. Uh, yeah, like they are, they are really high. Um, but you know, then again, like every week when I go to the waiver wire to see if there's anyone that's worth putting a bid on, you see like just super like random names have dropped 13, 14 points. And you're like, fuck, well, if there's starting players that have way more snaps and run way more routes, like surely their projection should be around the same mark too. So, um, and we've had some monster scores through the first two weeks, you know, 190, 198, and then some 180s and things like that too. So, um, I guess they're around about the right mark. Matt, some big news as well. We're half, just over halfway through the matchups. Well, no, actually, we are halfway through the matchups. But Mitchell Mead, you've been waiting for this for 
the last couple of days. Four minutes ago, he just posted his week two power rankings. And I think you can just assess these and, and get your comments on, on what you think. And he goes, another week in the book, some teams still undefeated while others haven't got a win on the board. But we can clearly see already two weeks into the season who the contenders and the pretenders are. And also some who are just absolutely nowhere near competing. Uh, me, that was a little bit hard to read considering you didn't put any full stops, commas or um, anything along in the sentence, so I'm a little bit rattled. But his rankings, I won't go into, into depth what he said, but he's got himself on top, followed by Pitsy, Big Dick Dimmer, Jake, Centaur, Gianni. He's got you at number five, Jaden Barton at six, Chad at seven, Gib eight, Kyle and Brill nine, um, Liam ten, myself eleven, and Macca twelve. What's your early take on that? All right. He's got some things right. I was about to fucking kill him for this, but he's got some things right. He's got some things fucking embarrassingly wrong, Mitchell. Are you fucking kidding me? I just beat Comet. How can you possibly have that fucking degenerate horseman above me in these power rankings? The whole list is void. That sucks. I said I wasn't going to go in. That is ridiculous. Are you joking? Fifth, after I just beat him, disqualified the list. Dimmer third wrong um look liam must be fucking must be doing something for me to have a 70 point week and find himself third from the bottom um yeah that's about all i think of that gabe sitting in eighth is about right do you think that maca should be on the bottom there's a lot of questions were raised about his ability going into the season, uh, he brought Ed on and things have seemed to go downhill a little bit for Macca. Is he in his right position or do you believe that it should probably be Lee at bottom and then, you know, myself or Macca around that 10 or 11 mark? Oh, look, Macca, Macca gets beat up by everyone and I just, I don't know, this week of all weeks is just brutal. Like that Clyde Edwards to their fumble, um, it broke my heart and I don't even own him. Like, not for the fact I wanted to see Gabe lose, even though that would have been hilarious. But the fact of the matter is, like, you draft Clyde with an end of the second round, early third round pick, and everyone thinks Clyde, you know, first round draft pick, Pat Mahomes, that Chiefs offense, he's going to, you know, you picture him like Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield and catching passes and getting heaps of goal line work and just being a monster. But, like, at this point, is Clyde Edwards alert any better than Shady McCoy? And, like, not not prime Shady McCoy, like Shady McCoy as in like 2021 Shady McCoy? Not really, because I sent a thing into the league the other day that I did see and it touched on how Clyde Edwards Hilaire is just Devin Singletary, but you're not drafting him in the, in the, in the ninth or the tenth round. <laughs> Do you agree with yeah, that? It's facts. It's, it's facts. Maybe Clyde's a, maybe Clyde was a worse pick than JK Dobbins after all. Like, at least you don't have to deal with Dobbins fumbling and costing you the game. Oh, literally. And, like, the thing is, like, with those, like, all right, people kill me for the Dobbins thing, but he was always going to have, like, his rushing in that Baltimore offense, the carries he does get are always going to be great. I'm just looking at Edward Hilaire's stats through the first two games. And, like, they, all anyone talked about in the offseason was, like, oh, Mahomes got killed in the Super Bowl. They'll dress the offensive line and protect him so well. And, like, you've got Tyreek and Kelsey downfield, so it's not like they can drop all their safeties into the box and stuff the run. Like, they've got to drop back in coverage. There should be huge holes. He's had 14 rushes for 43 yards. 
and then 13 rushes for 46 yards. Like, that is atrocious. That, that, is, that is, like, unacceptable. And now he's fumbled. Like, fuck, you'd be, you'd be scared starting him at this point. Do you think that he could end up in Andy Reid's doghouse? Because, look, it was Patrick Mahomes that probably did bring him to that Kansas team. You know, Patrick Mahomes smashing the desk has been reported, you know. Slapping the desk saying, get Clyde Edwards hilarious at all costs. Could he potentially, you know, find himself on the bench? Yeah, like, if they had any, like, sort of person of name behind him that could step in and, you know, do the things that he is just finding it hard to do at the moment. Like, he doesn't seem to have any kind of burst or um, just keeps, you know, fucking up his opportunities. You'd think, like, he could see the bench. But, um, I don't know, he's still a sophomore running back. You'd think they'll still stick with him and just, you know, try to forget about that one. But, I don't know, you know, you see, like, Ronald Jones not going to get second chances at Tampa. So, I don't know if Tampa, if uh, KC will give, give Clyde to him anymore. Yeah, to lead the running backs to easily replaceable, as we've seen uh, so frequently with likes of Pollard coming in, replacing Zeke, and, and even um, Le'Veon Bell's fall from grace has gone from being, you know, the, the best running back of, of all time that people were hailing him as a few years ago. Now he can't even get a game at Baltimore after just a couple of seasons um, that haven't really been that bad. He was in the Jets' offense as well. So running backs are easily replaceable. So I guess Clyde should watch his back and so should Macca. But is there any other key takeaways that you wanted to touch on in these power rankings before we whip through the last three matchups? Um, no, nah, like the rest of it's fine. Um, <laughs> I find Chad being at seventh, even though he's 0-2, it's just funny. Like I don't even disagree with it, but it's just funny to me. Like he might sustain like, he might sustain a mid-round ranking through the whole year and just keep losing. Um, I just, I, I still can't look at this list and not see comma fourth, myself fifth, after I just beat him. Like, these are power rankings. This isn't like your tiers. Your power rankings is like where you should be. I literally messaged this dickhead last week when he did his power rankings and said, keep the same energy when I beat comma. And he goes, yeah, you, your stocks will be high. Well, they're fucking not as high as they should be. Get your shit right. I don't think Meade's grasped a power ranking. I think he just wants to keep in Comma's good books and potentially have Comma like him on a night out. And he's always looked up to Comma. So it'll be really interesting where these power rankings go from here because it seems like it's just me trying to, you know, play politics here and keep on the right side of the right people uh, for his own personal benefits. But well, enough of power rankings. I've seen that it's, it's sort of touched the nerve a little bit with there, got you fired up a little bit. But we move on to potentially the, the grossest matchup of the season. And this is Macca versus Liam. 190.5 projected to Macca's 117.7. Do you think that Macca can win? His team looks absolutely disgusting on paper. <laughs> like... I just sang Macca's praise before about how, you know, stiff I thought he was and, you know, who could have seen Clyde being this shit and whatnot. But I've just come to the realisation, looking at Macca's team, has, has he got to be the only team in the league this year that hasn't lost someone, like dropped someone or sent someone to the IR with like a serious injury to your team? Like, yes, how, correct. Can, <laughs> how can his team be this bad and he's the only one that hasn't suffered that? Like, this is just the team he drafted. Yep, Aaron Rodgers is uh, underwhelmed. I guess he bounced back last yesterday with uh sorry Monday with sorry yesterday correct with uh, four touchdowns against Detroit. He's got Dalvin Cook. We've touched on Clyde. Wide receiver is pretty gross. Woods is you know the second option, and he's rotating between Fields and Dalton at his QB two with Mooney in the flex. Fantastic tight end. 
It's very, oh. very concerning. Do you think that Maka has justified being ranked 12th on the uh, power rankings of mean after assessing this matchup here? You just can't argue with it after looking at this. Like, geez, it's like Juju had a rushing touchdown on the weekend, but he just shouldn't be in your starting lineup under any circumstance. Darnell Mooney with Dalton throwing him the ball. Like, get out of there. No fucking wait. Julio is not going to have another week like that all year. And, yeah, like, Robert Woods, I said that at the start of the year. I'm pretty sure, I think Macca picked before me in the draft and took Woods and I took Cup with the next pick. And I was baffled that you'd take Woods over Cup. You know, Woods will have his weeks where he outscores Cup the rest of the year, but that just seemed like such an obvious smash. Like, you'd always rather have Cup with the touchdown upside than Woods. Um, and so far, like, fuck, I'm livid with myself for trading him away, but... Um, yeah, this I don't know what Macca needs. Macca needs he needs Javante Williams to absolutely break the fuck out in that Denver offense, and then he needs Amon Ra St. Brown or one of these ridiculous bench receivers he's got to turn into fucking Calvin Johnson because this team needs serious help. And he needs Dalvin Cook to turn into Christian McCaffrey and put up those 22 to 25 a week, 16 or 17 from him isn't going to cut it. And Aaron Rodgers. Does he really want to be there in Green Bay this season? He just looks disinterested, I guess. And I, I don't think we should really expect to see an MVP season from him again. And you just look at his team. He doesn't really have any pieces to trade. I don't think anyone's going to be really coming for Rodgers considering his, his draft position. Um, the only real option he has is probably to trade Dalvin Cook for a, um, you know, a lower running back and upgrade his wide receiver's position somehow. Yeah, and like Dalvin Cook, like even if he hasn't had one of those like helicopter games so far this year, like everyone is going to put respect on you know what he he's capable of, and he he'd get offers from everyone in the league if if Macca was known to even look at trades or even do anything with them. But like since he hasn't opened the bank yet, honestly, this would be the make or break week for Dalvin Cook being on his roster, in my opinion. If he if Mackey's listened up to this point, because I'd be saying to him like if you somehow lose to Liam's absolute fucking tornado shit show of a team up and down, whatever it produces. If you go on three, you have to shop Dalvin and you have to redesign this team, like just with some new pieces and bring it some light. Do you believe that Macca has the nuts to do that? Or do you think he's just going to sit there and deal with being mediocre once again and have the whole entire league laugh at him? Well, like, that's the thing though. Like, it's only week three, but it's on, but 0-3, you can't get back from, really. Like, you, there's no way you can go 0-3 and then just be like, my team will turn it around while everyone laughs at you for not trading and having such a shit team. Like, you don't really have a choice at that point. You may as well make a bold move in the hope of turning it around rather than just letting the next 15 weeks peter away and have to wait 12 months until you can have another crack at being relevant. Definitely. And I guess... I saw the writing on the wall with my team there and, and I don't think what Gronk's doing is sustainable, but that move to, I guess, bank on Gronk as well and then potentially upgrade another position as those bold moves you have to take. And, it, you know, you might be left with egg on your face, Mac, but you have to at least try and put yourself out there and, and have a little bit of relevancy because this team isn't, isn't taking you anywhere once again. It's, it's sort of the more I stare at my phone screen, the sicker I feel. Uh, so I think we better move on. And I assume you're giving this game to Liam just... Yeah, I, I, I honestly, no one wins this game. Like, I don't know what happens. I don't know if it gets fucking lightning storm hits this game and no one wins, but I can't, I'm not going to make a pick. I don't like looking at either of these teams. 
Well, I've just checked gibsbet.com.au, their email has come through with their over and unders and their different prop markets for the league this week. And I suggest you get on and have a look at them. And I think one of the best bets of the round, and this game has been projected for the whole total point scored over and under 119.5 combined. So I think you take the unders there. Uh, I think Liam wins 57-55 in an absolute thriller. We'll move on to the second matchup, Mac. Um, no bias here. You're projected to beat your good mate, Gabriel Bo Gibb Horseman by 0.8. Do you think that you've got this one wrapped up and Gabe may as well not even wake up and just stay in the hole throughout red zone? Yeah, well, Gibbs already tried the uh, the Dugowie trademark. Like, it's something those little loser fanboys do in the Dugowies where at the start of the week, they try and message you and buddy you up with how great your team is and what your thoughts are for the week and how cute your matchup's going to be when really, like, we both just want to fuck each other up. And Comer tried to do the same thing last week. Fucking cockhead. But um, <laughs> Gabe's already hit me up with that message. And like I said to him, the only part of his team that even remotely worries me this week is the fact that Lockett has gone absolutely berserk the first two weeks while DK is just kind of like chilling, doing his thing. DK Metcalf versus Minnesota this week. Like that's, this is a, that frightens me because he's projected to score 14.8. I'm almost positive he doubles that this week. Um, but outside of that, like, yeah, look, Chubb and Harris can do something, but, you know, whatever. I'm not worried about their matchups too much. Trevor looked awful, but he's versing Arizona, whose defense sucks. Um, I just, I just like my team too much at the moment. Like Keenan and Justin Herbert didn't really pop off against Dallas the way I was hoping to, but I still got the chocolates. And now they get the Chiefs, which just that has to be a shootout, the Charger Chief game. So um, I, I think I handled him pretty comfortably and go three zero. What are you expecting from Aaron Jones for the rest of the season? He had, as you mentioned, that helicopter game, and he probably does have two or three of them a year. What are you expecting from him on a consistent basis this season? He did put up three points the week before. I like As I was following that Green Bay game, I was thinking, like, Jones, this is just his day, and he's just going to do his thing. But I was kept like worrying that they were going to just try and put fat AJ Dillon in on, on the goal line just to vulture. But the fact they stuck with Jones just makes me think that, like, because Green Bay aren't coming out all guns blazing and, like, they took a bit of time to handle Detroit and they got embarrassed by the Saints that now Green Bay are going to be like, well, if Rodgers isn't quite himself, we're going to need to keep our stars on the, on the field doing everything they can. So, I, like, Aaron Jones, top five RB, lock it in no matter what. I think I'm going to give this one to you, Mac, purely because I, I, I do really like your team. Overall, Antonio Brown was quite disappointing. Surprising, I was pretty keen on him, and he, he posted one reception on three targets in a, <laughs> in a huge game. So that was sort of a, a tough pill to swallow. But I'm going to give you this one purely on the basis that I want to see Gib lose. But does it hurt you looking at Gib with Tyson Williams? Oh, like, he has been great, and he looks looks awesome. But, like... That was one of those things where, like, I had the Dobbins injury and I was like, oh, fuck, like, there goes that. But I had Gus Edwards. And then I ended up trading Edwards before he went down. So it was just like, this Baltimore backfield's cursed. And, like, uh, Gibbs should almost be trying to get rid of Tyson Williams before something happens to him because they're just, that whole backfield's fucked. Does your QB2 position concern you, Mac? T. Bridgewater, like, Gabe did pump him up to pitch in the preseason and saying how he's the, you know, the, the next. Well, he is, you know, the black Mahomes, and he actually has proven that this season, posting no interceptions over 250 yards and two touchdowns for 24 points or more in both games. Can he sustain? I think I think you put the reverse jinx on on Teddy B because, like, 
I when I originally got him, I was just kind of like, oh, look, if I get 15 points out of Teddy, I'll be happy every week. But the fact is, like, six points per passing touchdown, that defense is ripped. So he gets heaps of extra possessions. And then, like, you don't have to be a good quarterback to get down and, and get in the end zone. And, like, Melvin Gordon and, and Javante Williams, like, they're not, they're not such alpha running backs that they're going to take the ball out of Teddy's hands. And through two games, it's only a two-game sample size, but Teddy Bridgewater's got the second-highest completion percentage in the league. And so it's just deadly accurate, even without Judy. So, like, Sutton and Fant and, and KJ Hamler, and, like, he's got plenty of weapons still to throw to. Like, I'm, I'm loving having him in the QB2 spot. Does Damien Harris fill you with confidence, Mac at RB2 as well? Another one I've got for you. We touched on Antonio Brown, but Will Fuller, I don't know what's going on there behind the scenes. Does your wide receiver situation concern you potentially as well? Jarvis is now in the IR. Yeah, like, I, Jarvis, I really liked his week one game, and I still felt good about him in such a good Browns offense, but now he's going to be gone for at least three weeks. Um, yeah, look, Will Fuller, if he could come in and be just Will Fuller, I'd still like him, even though I hate Tua. I don't believe in him. I still think Will, Will Fuller could be something. Tua looked like he got fucked up, so I don't even know if he's going to play yet. But um, I think Fuller's back meant to play this week. So if, if, if Tua's named to start, I'll still start Fuller there. But, yeah, look, I, I was really hoping Callaway was going to be something with Jameis. And the fact that Jameis, even with his five-touchdown game, has thrown under 150 yards or something both games just makes no sense to me. Like, I don't understand what New Orleans were doing because if, if you were going to go with Jameis, surely it was like high-powered offense, Sean Payton, great mind, we're going to be slinging it and using Jameis as weapons to your advantage. But like 150 yards, you could have got that with Taysom plus all the rushing upside. So I really am confused by the Saints at the moment. Um, and that, yeah, wide receiver three spot is a little bit dicey. Yeah, it's interesting. I've got some concerns now about James as my QB2. I'm really hoping Deshaun Watson somehow comes back and then the league allows him to potentially save that uh, shit show there. But um, this matchup, you've given it to yourself. And, and as I said, uh, I'm going to go with you as well, um, purely on the basis that I don't want to give to win. Both teams here in this final matchup have been ca- capable of putting up 190. Meade is projected 153.7. That is ridiculous, and I don't know how he has gotten so strong purely because he's pulled off some fucking ridiculous trades <laughs> in terms of getting Nuke and Derek and and the like. 153.7. I feel sick just saying that. Can he be beaten by um, Jake Centaur Gianni? Um, yeah, look, I fuck both of these guys first and foremost, like Fuck them. But, it's the two last uh, people want to be good. So obnoxious. Yeah, like fucking like can't be asked with whoever wins this game this week because they're going to think they're that fucking good. But um, look, both teams are are pretty stacked. I'm looking at it though, thinking like this is they're, they're loaded and their projections are like not even offensive to what their teams actually look like. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm almost leaning common might actually beat meeting this one simply because. The stars that he needs to go off to compete with Meaty have matchups that I could just see being shootouts that make them score so many points. Like Mahomes and Kelsey against the Chargers, I foresee that being a huge shootout. Dak and Amari, after a quietish week against the Chargers, play a division rivalry game against Philly. Like I think they both go crazy. And then Meaty's got Kyler and D Hop against Jacksonville. Like on paper, 
that is just a mauling. But it could be a mauling for the wrong reason. Like, once again, they could, that game game script could be bad for Kyler and D-Hop connection. So, um, yeah, they both probably end up going fucking berserk. But I'm going to actually lean Commas way. Derek has looked insane. Like, the amount of volume he gets is unbelievable. Like, they they were, Tennessee were playing in an unsuitable game script and he was still given 35 rushing attempts. He had six receptions, 55 yards, when I think his overs were 8.5. He's posted three touchdowns at 4.7 points. And their offense is being lackluster. Do you think Derek is just absolutely ripped and can carry me to success this season? Look, the thing about Derek Henry that is just so fucking scary is the fact that, like, if he doesn't get tackled at the line of scrimmage, you know, by a big linebacker or a big defensive end, like, that you have no chance of stopping him because, like, I was listening to this video that's talking about Derek Henry run. Once he gets into the secondary, just because he's that big doesn't mean he's slow. Like, he's just as fast as the best running backs. But he's, like, he's got to be, like, 30, 40 kilos. Probably not 40, that's outrageous. He's got to be at least, like... 10, 20 kilos heavier than the guys that are trying to tackle him once he gets down there. And, like, they just keep stuffing in the ball. They know that, like, if you were on the opposite side of the ball, you don't want to try and tackle that guy. He's a fucking bus running towards you. Um, and so he's going to have, game, like, so many this season, just like that Seattle one where the coaches realize, like, we're just going to keep giving him the ball and people don't want to tackle him. And he's just going to keep bulldozing and bulldozing until he breaks off a 40-yard touchdown. Yeah, it's amazing what he's done. He's, you know, 191 centimetres and he's 108 kilograms with a 40-yard dash time of 4.54 seconds. Um, insane what he's actually able to produce. So, um, you know, his old man, Derek Henry Senior, um, who was arrested 20 times during his upbringing, maybe the, the reason behind uh, the success we're seeing with Derek <laughs> this season. What the fuck is that got to do? <laughs> I clicked on it as well and I thought maybe his dad was next, uh, the next NFL player. Um, and then I clicked on it and I pulled myself out. But who was it? The dad was the, the running back. It's actually a good running back now. Uh, no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, thought, yeah, I, thought, I thought it was Derek Henry's dad and I saw Andrew's parents, Stacey Gill, Derek Henry, <laughs> Henry Senior, and I was going on that and I saw arrested 20 times. So I just carried that. So, yeah, far out for Derek. He's only 27. He's had a lot of volume. So hopefully we can see him continue to do what he's doing. But, Matt, going into this week, who's your biggest lock of the week? Um, ooh. I, I actually am not a fan of locking yourself because it just like makes you feel like that much bigger piece of a shit if you lose. But I did it last week just out of commas, absolute arrogance. Um, my lock of the week this week is going to be... Let's have a quick look at this. Um, I'm going to lock Chad over Jay as my lock of the week. Big call, big call um, this week. Uh, going into that as well. Who Who's the team that you think will post the biggest score this week? Will it be made and come up? Um, it'll be... Oh, it's going to be so much funnier, the fact that I beat Comma and then he just posts another ridiculous score this week and, and, and wins after losing to me. But I'm going to go Comma for the biggest score over me to win that game. Um, and, yeah, I'm sticking with Chad over J-Bucks, but I'm, I'm 2-0 in my... In my um, Project, uh, prediction, sorry, can jump on jump on me, Jackson. 
I like it. I think you could go to three and this week, Mac, and you could potentially, as we mentioned, pull off a season similar to what I've been able to do the last five years. And once you get into the finals, it's anyone's game, and you could potentially trade yourself for success. I know that you've been snooping around trying to pull off a few deals, and we managed <laughs> to get the deal through the other week that saw me land Joe Mixon, and and you get Keenan uh, after your offer. It was a what made you eventually crack it, and why did you take Will Fuller over? Was it Tyler Boyd? I think. Uh, it was Will F- oh, I, Brendan Ayuk. Um, Correct. Yeah, no, I um, look, if there was a stat on ESPN Fantasy for like number of times that you've tried to trade for a player across the whole league, I'd be leading it with Keenan Allen offers. Like ever since I drafted Herbert, I have just been nonstop relentless trying to get Keenan. Like I, I threw in a bit of Mike Williams in there as well, but really like Keenan Allen was, was the shiny diamond I wanted. Um, and so... And he's he's moved around between so many teams, so I've always had like a new t- new person to target with offers for him. Um, but like Calvin Ridley is a stud. It, it could I don't think it's going to burn me because I don't think like whatever happens for the rest of the year that the difference between Ridley and Keenan is going to be crazy. But like just having Herbert and Keenan was just that was it for me, regardless of what the rest of the deal was. Like I've been trying to do that for so long without giving up too much. Yeah, he's an interesting prospect. He's actually been on my team twice and he actually hasn't played a game. So um, that just shows how much he's been moved around this season. So uh, hopefully he can have a bit of success for you this year, Mac. And all the best going into your matchup this week. And and thanks again for for joining. Thanks, mate. Have a good one.